Welcome to Q&A Selling Online with answers to questions about creating an online empire, promoting products, or building a brand. Your host, private label and e-commerce entrepreneur, Quinn Amorm. Welcome everyone to the podcast. Today I have a special guest who is the co-founder and CEO of Feedback Wiz. We have with us today, Henson Wu. How's it going, Henson? Doing really well. Thanks, Quinn, for having me on your podcast today. No problem. It's my pleasure. So I, I am a user, just for full disclosure for those listening, I am a user of Feedback Wiz. I have been um, since 2018, so for uh, a year now. And you co-founded uh, Feedback Wiz because you were a seller at Amazon too, correct? Yeah. Um, I was selling Amazon eBay for quite some time. And at some point we, my store got, you know, to a point where, you know, I needed software to help manage just day-to-day activities and, you know, being able to communicate with my buyers and making sure that, you know, they had a good experience and, you know, trying to get more product reviews and seller feedback. It's always just uh, a tedious process. And even, you know, when I started back in, um, you know, 2015-ish, uh, those times where there wasn't that much software out there. And, um, you know, there's a lot of manual uh, work that needs to be done or just monitoring listings and, you know, um, communicating with buyers. So uh, that's kind of where um, I started uh, getting into the, the software side. And and I teamed up with uh, one of my uh, buddies, uh, Aaron's, who's our other CTO, uh, co-founder and CTO, and um, we just started developing software, um, you know, for Amazon. So specifically to just help me manage my store. And then, you know, as we kept developing it, we realized, um, yeah, we can make this into a business. You know, just just because uh, it seemed like at that time the the softwares uh, available uh, wasn't there wasn't like really any any main like software companies that you know really dominated. Amazon and and some of the technologies uh, at that time wasn't that great. So we felt like there was a great opportunity to get into this space. And that's where we transitioned from, or personally, I transitioned from selling on Amazon into selling a service as a software for Amazon sellers. Did you stop selling on Amazon? I still have my stores running. Um, I don't manage that anymore as a day-to-day basis. Um, So the... um, the categories or what I was selling um, when I started was <clears throat> mainly um, like cosmetics, clothing, uh, kitchen. And the reasons I, the reason I was doing those categories was because uh, my extended family, we have businesses in, you know, that area um, already in e-commerce, not um, on Amazon, or eBay, but wholesale. So there was a lot of experience and <clears throat> expertise in that industry. And from there, it was really easy for us to kind of just launch products and, you know, sell them on Amazon. But um, as you know, there, you know, back then, like five years ago, Amazon is very different than it is now, right? So launching new products, um, you know, it's very simple. Getting them ranked high is uh, very easy. There's not too much competition. Um, and the clothing industry is extremely difficult because, um, you know, you're always innovating new styles, um, different sizes. So you have a lot of inventory, a lot of products, right? It's not like selling 
the same product over and over. You have to continuously launch new products. And back then it was actually very simple because, you know, it's like, I don't have, I don't have problems with like hijackers or, you know, people trying to sell the same product I have because it's very unique, right? So yeah. it's very easy to rank some of these products to, you know, page one very, very quickly. And there was no PPC back then. So um, the algorithms uh, were a little different too. So they were all in favor of um, how it used to be. And as time progressed, uh, it came, became harder in this industry because, you know, there's a lot more competition, launching new products, expensive. Uh, Amazon pretty much makes it like, you have to pretty much use some kind of PPC to get your product some visibility now. There's just so many different things out there. So um, that's where we kind of transitioned into doing more kitchen um, products where, um, yeah, I also have some pretty good connections in that industry. So, um, so selling on Amazon to me wasn't too much a challenge and I love, I actually love selling things on online, but you know, I found that doing feedback with, which is a totally different type of uh, business was more challenging uh, for me. And I, I felt like I needed to figure this part out and see if I can, you know, grow this business and make this into something that, um, you know, from no experience into learning. So I really like learning. So that's why, you know, got into feedback with your co-founder uh, was a programmer. Or did you guys have to hire somebody to do your, your tools? Yeah, he's a, he's a programmer. So his, um, his background is uh, software engineering and he's very experienced. And that's one of the only reasons why we got into this. So um, we're able to work really well together since I've known him for a long time. And I also studied engineering um, in the past. So my, my background was uh, electrical computer engineering as well. So I worked in the industry for quite a while and, you know, learned a lot of stuff. So, um, yeah, we develop everything in house. Our, uh, current developers are all in house as well. So we don't use any type of, uh, we don't outsource any of our development work, uh, at all. Yeah. Okay. And uh, so you started just developing just for yourselves, right? Cause, uh, to manage your own account and was it, what it is right now uh, or was it just to the communication back and forth with the customers? Yeah, of course it's not as intricate and com complicated as it is now. Uh, it, you know, we started off very simple. It was just more of a messaging uh, for like email automation pretty much is how we started. Um, yeah, it was uh, it was pretty basic back then because uh, in software it's, it's, it's very easy to, to program something to work for yourself, but it's a, whole different whole different challenge on being able to scale it so you know tens and thousands of people can use it at the same time so there's a lot of different aspects um you know you, you have to think about when you build software it's not just hey it's you know to make it make anything for yourself is actually very simple like most people most programmers can probably build something pretty basic and use it on their end but you think about security you gotta think about you know all the different things that are going on that you don't really notice, um, you know, when you offer it and turn it into a business, um, that's kind of where the challenge started becoming is just figuring out those kind of things. And then, and then not just the software side, but it's like marketing, marketing side, right? How do you, how do you get people to use your tool and trust your tool, right? Like you don't just come out from nowhere and be like, Hey, here's a tool, like 
you know, sign up for your MWS, give me your keys and everything that we can see all your data. Like, you know, most companies are, are not going to do that. Right. So you have to build some kind of trust and, um, you know, it takes, it takes a little bit of time. So it wasn't that easy for us, even though we had really good software in the beginning, it's just, you know, you have to convince people that, you know, why should we use your software versus someone else that's already, you know, established and, you know, known. So. Yeah. Yeah. I, I hear you there. So to get the, um, the API login to Amazon, do you require Amazon Amazon's permission or only like uh, your customers like me? Um, yeah, we have to, um, we have to uh, sign up as a developer. Um, we have to create a developer account and get approval from Amazon to be a, um, you know, third part developer. And then from there, uh, we now have uh, capability to connect your account <clears throat> to our developer account, link them together. And then, you know, that's how the uh, MWS connect process works. What was one of the biggest problems you had while, while building feedback with or building it or marketing it? What was your biggest one? Um, building it wasn't too difficult since, you know, we're pretty experienced in building. Um, so it wasn't like we had any problems with knowing how to build it. Um, it was a lot of, um, it was more just testing it out, right? Like making sure things work properly. Uh, especially, you know, we when we got into this industry, we kind of went directly for the email automation side, which is actually probably one of the most complicated tools because there's so many moving parts going on, right? There's a lot of things that rely just not on just the API data, but just certain conditions. There's a lot of race conditions and different things you have to really plan out uh, in the engineering level to make sure that things don't overlap or things break or don't work as properly. Um, as you, if you know, we were sending out millions of emails a month right now. And, you know, if we, if we mistakenly send emails to the wrong people or send them out the wrong time or send too many emails out, you know, we can get other uh, companies or sellers suspended. Right. So there's a lot of things that we have to make sure that in case, um, you know, there's something goes wrong or, you know, we have to write a lot of test programs. So, there's a lot of stuff that we had to build to ensure that things work properly. And then if things don't work properly, we have to make sure that we have, uh, you know, the capability to detect uh, any types of events that happen right away so we can fix it. So, so I think the main challenge was really just planning it out and making sure that, you know, we don't want to get other sellers, uh, you know, get their accounts messed up and that's just bad reputation for us. Right. So, that was the main challenge in terms of building it. Um, in terms of marketing it, um, yeah, that was a huge challenge because, you know, we had us, you know, starting a brand new website. I'm not sure you, you probably have your own website, so you know, like getting traffic to it, doing SEO, right? That's that's a whole new different game, right? And that there's a lot of challenges to that. Um, not not just that, but just marketing it to sellers, right? Like, how do you find Amazon sellers, right? There's there's millions of Amazon sellers out there, but they're all scattered, right? They're not just like all like located in one area, and you can go there. I mean, you can go to conferences and stuff, but um, in the beginning, it's like we bootstrapped this company, so we didn't get any private funding. We don't have money to go out there and spend, you know, ten twenty thousand dollars on a convention that we have no idea, of, you know, how well it's going to do. So. Um, you know, it took a lot of research and just reaching out and uh, making some really good connections. Um, you know, we had some really good uh, 
people that we met along the way that helped us out and, you know, gave us the time to look into our tool and realize, Hey, you guys created something, you know, really powerful and, you know, they really liked it. So they were able to kind of spread the word for us. So, yeah, so that's kind of how we able to scale our business. There are, there are some, some very well-known tools out there. And when I started uh, email automation, all that was, was done through one of those tools. And most people kind of like me just get used to what you have and and then one day i i had a look at the, your dashboard and i was like i gotta try this because on your dashboard you guys show me my number of sales per product that it's very hard for me directly on amazon like everybody knows amazon's reports are a bit of a headache but when I opened your feedback ways on the dashboard, I can see the number of sales, the volume of sales, the dollar amount. And the, something that I really, really enjoy is I can see, uh, let's say seller, seller X, how many times he bought for me in the last few years and how much, how much money he has spent to me. So I can, I can actually measure the customer's lifetime value to me. And that's just super powerful to me. Right. Yeah. Um, I'm glad you like that feature. Actually, no one really mentions about that because, you know, people always like, oh, we like your other email features or your template builder campaigns. Um, yeah. When we built that dashboard, you know, we wanted something to pop, right? Because dashboard is something that whenever you log into a platform, that's the first page that you come into, right? So yeah. you want that to be. Um, something you want to look at, like something pleasant and data there has to matter, right? Makes sense. So we try to think of, um, you know, a lot of, you know, because I'm a seller myself, there are certain things that I want to know, right? And like you said, Seller Central is not very intuitive on and a lot of the data that they don't really show you much, right? They like, it almost seems like Amazon doesn't want you to know too much customer data because it's almost like it's their customer, right? So it's, it's kind of restrictive, right? And just like our orders page, we have like a search engine that lets you find all the different metrics and details about your orders and seller central. If you try to use their search engine, like there's only like three or four different fields you can search for, right? And it's very limited to what you can pull. So yeah, that's kind of one of the things for me was like, Hey, I wanted to see that data. Cause you know, as a, as an engineer, it's all about numbers and data, right? And analyzing it and using that information to see how can I improve my sales or what am I doing wrong or what do I need to do better to, you know, get more business. So, so that's what, that was really important for us to get it, get in there. Yeah. I, I really like that. The fact that we can select, like I said, the repeat buyers because it can give me more information than just how much money they spent with me and, and how many times they bought my products. So I can see that they buy it every month or twice a month or uh but besides that i had a problem once with my amazon account so a few people left uh, negative feedback or and even negative reviews and they were common the, the reply was that um they had bought a two-pack of a product and they only received one mm -hmm. and, and somebody else said that and they only received one and when it first happened, I thought, they're all happening at the same time. This is a competitor doing something negative against me. And then, But I came and used your tool, and I found that some of those customers had 
thousands and thousands of dollars of repeat buys from my product. So they weren't just today making up. So it was no competitor. In reality, uh, my bundle was wrong. So um, the fulfillment company that sends to Amazon had bundled the product wrong. And I, I used that to figure out that uh, it was actually true. So I recalled all the inventory and got it figured out. So that's a, yeah. it's a great feature. Yeah, absolutely. And it's a really good case that you just mentioned there on how to figure out you know, problems within not that you're things that you don't have control over, right? Cause you can't see it, right? When someone else is bundling your products and send to Amazon, you don't have visibility over that part of the business. And the only way you know if something's wrong is either through your reviews or, you know, the customers leaving you feedback, right? So, so getting information or reading reviews and getting notifications whenever events happen is really critical. So you can, you know, fix the problem as soon as possible rather than figuring it out like a few months later when everyone gets it and they all have problems and suddenly you get a whole bunch of negative reviews, right? So, so yeah, it's uh, wonderful to hear that. Uh, that's, that's the strategy or not the strategy, but just the, uh, you know, how you actually can use that data to benefit, to fix any issues you have. Yeah. And just to, uh, this is kind of, uh, it almost sounds like I'm, I'm selling the product, but there's another thing that I really like that when I go into the products and other tools that I have, uh, my title is going to show up exactly like I wrote it. And some titles, now I'm, I'm actually shrinking some titles, but back in the day, I would fill all 250 characters in the title if, if I could put 250. And some tools, when I want to, let's say, um, tell the customer that it was X product and do that automatically, it would put the entire title in there. Right, right. Yes, the and, short title you're talking about for the variable in the template, right? Exactly. So I can I can rename it inside inside feedback whiz and just put it something that I know is going to fit and it's perfect in there. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, that's one thing that a lot of customers were asking for us for that feature for quite a while and. You know, it wasn't released right away because it's, it requires us to go in and, you know, we have to programmatically build another page to display all your products. And that way you have the ability to go in and change each each uh, title. There's no easy way to build it out. So, but um, yeah, it's it's something that a lot of sellers um, definitely need to use. So how about this, this feature when it comes to the uh, under products and then I think it's the review manager where I can see all my reviews and the act on the right side, there's an action where I can add a note and, or view, send me directly to Amazon so I can view the review there. And then the third option is to contact Amazon support. Do you find that, um, does it help Has has anybody been seeing any reviews removed by contacting support? It, the chances are slim, but you know it doesn't hurt to contact support and at least flag it. Um, a lot of times they can flag the review, and if 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 that same person that's leaving the review is um, you know maliciously writing bad reviews for everyone else, and if <clears throat> their name or their account gets flagged enough, um, yeah, we do see the reviews disappear. So it definitely can help, but the chances are small, right? It's it's like if they're a competitor usually they're probably pretty smart, right? If they create an account, they're not going to use that same account and write negative reviews for everyone, 
right? They're probably just writing for a few people. So um, I I don't know the algorithm on how Amazon detects whether or not it's a fake review or, uh, you know, but it's definitely like, you know, the whole flagging mechanism is that if the person gets flagged enough times, you know, their computer might go in and just kick them out or remove the review for you. So um, it doesn't hurt to do it, but it might not be as effective as you hope hope to be, yeah. Yeah, unfortunately, I don't think it's too effective. So on the product monitoring, that's something I didn't play around with. So I I did add a bunch of products, all all the products I added there were mine. I'm not sure because I didn't use this feature too much. Is this, can I monitor, monitor products that are not mine or is it just my stuff? Yes, you can monitor any ASIN on Amazon actually. So in the product monitoring page, uh, by default, we grab everything that's in your inventory. So a lot of times you might be, you know, selling another product that's not yours, or you might just add a product that could be someone else's into your inventory. So we have that data and that's why we have the product monitoring page where you can select exactly which products you want to monitor for views. Um, if you look in the middle of the page, there's actually a button that says uh, ASIN upload. So that's a button there. Um, you can actually just import any oh. ASIN on Amazon directly, and then we can monitor those products. So whether it's your competitor products or just products that you are interested in seeing maybe how many, how many reviews they get per month or how fast their frequency comes in, like you can monitor those products too. Okay, I, I did. I had missed that feature. I never saw that one, the import ASIN. Yep. Yeah. Any ASIN you want on Amazon, just copy it in and paste it in. And then it's, we'll monitor the same way as we monitor your products. And uh, how many people do you have working on your team right now, Hanson? Um, we have, uh, we have eight people in house and then we have, um, a few people that work remotely. So yeah, a little, a little less than a dozen, but you know, our team is, um, uh, not huge, but it's, uh, efficient. So we don't, you know, have too many people like, doing work that is not necessary. So, and, and the beauty of um, our tool is that it's very intuitive to use. And, you know, once you get on, it's pretty self-explanatory and we've done a uh, really good job on building support site and videos and stuff. So it's pretty simple to figure out how to use it. So our support is uh, pretty minimal on a day-to-day basis and we don't have too many major problems. So it's um, pretty good. Yeah, well, congratulations. Most of our team is, uh, we're just trying to expand on more uh, developers and some marketing to help us, uh, you know, spread the word. And besides Feedback Wiz, what is your favorite tool? It doesn't have to be related to Amazon, anything. What is a tool that you enjoy using? Like a software tool to use? Yes. Um, that's a good question. Um I, I would say Gmail because Gmail is probably the most used tool that I, ever, I use on a database basis because all the communication comes from Gmail, right? Yeah. So I have to use Gmail. Um, it has to be reliable. I have to use it on all my devices and, you know, um, all the communication, communication goes through there. Uh, I think back in the days I used them. Um, I mean, Hotmail was... You know, I mean, AOL way back in the days and then Hotmail and then Yahoo Mail and then Gmail came along. And I think Gmail really, you know, they tackle a lot of the issues and it's, I, I like it because it's, it's constantly improving, right? Um, if you noticed, I think in the last few months, they have this feature now where 
uh, it kind of knows the the way you type. So if you start typing, it'll kind of auto yes. uh, insert the the message for you, right? So so that saves a lot of time, right? Because I have to write so many emails every day. There's so many people I have to talk with. So uh, you know, just whatever makes my life easier. And same with just Amazon tools, right? Like if anything that could save you time, right? Time is money, right? Like you don't have time to do. There's not enough time during a day to do all the different things you want to do, right? So, so anything that can save me time and make my life easier, I really enjoy. So exactly, and I did notice that new feature, and I was surprised. And then I realized, yes, Gmail is Google anyway. They they know everything, so they knew everything I was thinking, and they they typed it for me. Yeah, it's kind of scary, but at the same time, it's not. I mean, I mean, they have to they have to practice, you know privacy laws too right like there's there's laws even though they have all your data just like how we have all your data like we can't take your data and and you know use it for bad practices and you know they have to follow rules and if of course if something bad happens or data leaks and you don't see what happens right they get in big trouble and you know they have they get sued and stuff like that so um as scary as it is i mean there's not much you can really do, right? You just have to kind of trust and make sure, just hope that, you know, they, yeah. they are safely protecting your information, right? So if we go back to Amazon, what is one of the, the things that you see that most sellers are doing wrong? Um, well, in terms of what we see, because we send out a lot of emails, so we have a lot of, um, we have a lot of data on, emails being sent and at the same time we know a lot about the the changes that are happening right now on amazon so recently um amazon's really trying to crack down on uh the incentivized email reviews and the messaging right so so the most uh common mistake that we see that a lot of sellers they don't really understand what email automation tool in Amazon is the purpose it's used for. And a lot of them are still confused and think that, hey, I can send, um, you know, coupon codes or mm-hmm. try to get drive some traffic or sales out of Amazon to my website. So that's the main problem right now is that <clears throat> a lot of the new sellers don't understand that, um, that the rules for email automation really is that you're using that tool to you know, provide good customer support, give some customers some relevant information or, you know, product information for whatever you're selling to them. And at the same time, you're allowed to ask for, you know, seller feedback reviews. But you can't incentivize the reviews and say, hey, um, if you had a good experience, could you leave us a review? So that's one of the biggest things right now is that a lot of people have this if, if else conditional statement in their email saying that if you had a good experience, could you leave us a review? And Amazon doesn't like that because uh, they're basically saying you can't just par- target only the people that had good experiences to leave your review. We want to keep it neutral and unbiased. That way they can keep, I mean, Amazon's best interest is to provide a platform where um, buyers can come in and, and safely just, you know, they don't have to go through fake reviews, right? And they know exactly what they're buying. They don't want any surprises and buy something that had, you know, a five-star rating and then when they get it, it's complete junk, right? So, so to protect their community, they want to make sure that sellers are uh, selling good products, right? So if you're selling junk products and then you're incentivizing the reviews, you can cheat the system. But if you're selling junk products and um, you know, you're sending out requests for reviews 
and the reviews come in, they're bad, then automatically people are not going to buy a product and it kind of weeds out that seller and that product. So they want to keep the, the quality, um, well, really good. So, so they're really trying to crack down on making sure that when you're asking for reviews, you're asking for unbiased reviews, not conditional. It's just, you know, Hey, please leave us an honest review. So, well, my suggestion is if you're sending out emails, not just, doesn't have to be feedback was for any platform. Um, make sure you understand the buyer's uh, buyer message in terms of service. There's, you know, a bunch of bullet points in there you need to read and know um, that, you know, there's certain things you can't do. So, so definitely check that out. That's one of the biggest uh, issues sellers are having right now. Yeah. So for example, we, we are not allowed to market any other products the, the message has to be related to that particular product that they bought. And recently there was something else that came out that we're not allowed, we're, we're limited on the amount of emails to send now. Is it just one right now? One per, per um, the last time I checked, I haven't read anything specifically on their website that has a quantity of how many emails you can send out. Um, however, the, I've seen the recent uh, violation letters that says one of the bullet points was um, saying that you sending an excessive amount of emails. So it does seem like Amazon does have some threshold on how many emails you can send out, even though, though they don't specifically tell us, as far as I know. Um, what I recommend, what we usually recommend is try not to send more than three emails per order. Like usually one or two is the best. And then three, like some people like to send a third like uh, email, like a final review request, you know, sometime down the road, just as a reminder. But yeah, excessive emails basically means that, you know, you don't want to be sending too many emails to every, to every customer because, you know, people just, you know, if you're not, if they're not responding to your emails, it's just chances are, they don't want to talk with you, right? So there's really no point on trying to keep sending the same message over and over. So, And just to, to make sure, I think I know the answer, but just for the audience, when somebody uh, opts out of receiving emails from Amazon and I have a, a software like FeedbackWiz that's sending my emails automatically, do you automatically not sent to them? Uh, yes, we automatically not sent to them. So I'm not sure if you've seen a recent update about, uh, I think it was about a month ago. We developed this new, um, this new tool called Seller Central Notifications. So if you go under your account settings, you'll see there's a uh, section where we assign you a specific email address at uh, uh, feedbackwiz.com. And uh, what that does is that inside Seller Central, there's a... Um, there's a section now called user uh, notifications where there's all these different categories on what kind of emails you can get from Amazon, like different events. Like for example, um, you know, the buyer opt-out email, right? When you send out an email and if it's not deliverable, you'll get an email bounce that says your message is undeliverable because the buyer has opted out. And there's also like refund emails when, you know, someone initiates a refund, you'll get that email right away. So there's all these different, types of notifications you can get in Seller Central that you can turn on and off as a seller. At the same time, they also allow you to add different email recipients to get the same email address. So what we've done is we assign you a specific email address, which you can add uh, onto Seller Central. So whenever the event happens, like a third-party opt-out, that email gets sent to you and also gets sent to us. And then as soon as we get that email, we 
uh, our program will automatically uh, transfer that information back into your feedback with account. So right away when that bounce happens, when you send out that email, uh, we'll flag that order and say, hey, this person has opted out. So if you have a campaign running to send additional email at some other point in time, it'll automatically block it out because we've already flagged that order as a third-party opt-out. So, so this is actually um, a really big thing that we've developed because this is a real-time, pretty much real-time data uh, versus some of the other platforms. I'm not sure how they do it now, but uh, I think before they asked you to like set up a Gmail filter or something, or um, I don't know how they do it, but it takes some time for that communication to get into your account. And um, it's extremely crucial for third-party opt-outs because in, if you look inside the um, Amazon TOS, it does state that you're not supposed to send them additional emails if they opted out. So that could be a, a flag for uh, a violation, right? And same case as uh, not just third-party opt-out, but for refunds. Um, uh, the refund information, if, if a buyer refunds your order, uh, you don't really want to ask them for product review because if they refund your product, it probably means that they had some kind of bad experience, right? They might not leave you a good review. So you want to make sure that that refund uh, flag that comes in for that order is as uh, accurate as possible, right? The timing, you want to know that information before you send out that email. So currently, um, the, the API, which is the, uh, the data that Amazon can transfer back and forth uh, for us to get most of your information, provides the refund data. But that refund data is actually delayed uh, for a few days to a few weeks, um, just the nature of how it is. So we actually found a way to bypass it using the seller central notification. So as soon as you get the refund email, we get the refund email, we put that refund data back into your orders page. We know that it's a refund. So if you have a campaign running and you set the exclusion to not send out to refund orders, uh, it will happen immediately. So it's a great feature and vice versa. You can also have a special campaign to trigger whenever a refund happens. So as soon as the refund comes in, you some, some companies like to send out uh, apology letters to, to tell the buyer that, you know, we're really sorry that there's a refund, there's anything you can do please contact us. Um, it's, a, it's almost like a mechanism to try to prevent getting the negative review in case they had an unpleasant experience. So, yeah. Wow, I, I really like that. So that, that was one of the things that um, I, I never asked anybody, but deep down I would think about it when, when that happens. And since the emails are being sent uh, automatically, I'm also messaging people that buy my product and, and ask for a refund than others that, that buy it often. You have a, a solution for, for the people that are uh, recurring buyers, so I don't send them the same email every single time? Yeah, yeah, we have a, um, re so the same data that you see for repeat buyers, um, you can set up in your campaign a flag to exclude sending emails to repeat buyers, right? So the repeat buyers would not get your no normal email message. And then you can create another campaign only for your repeat buyers and have a different message sent to them. So it can be excluded or targeted in a different way. That's, that's really good to know. Yeah. So um, before I let you go, Hanson, can I let you know of something that I think is missing? And sure, uh, absolutely. I, I love um, feedback and we love, you know, our, 
customers, a lot of the tools and features that we've developed recently is really through our customer feedback. So, Okay. This one is, is not even uh, related to the tool itself is when it comes to the login, mm-hmm. I can only have one login. So if I want the VA to log into my account, they have to use my email and password. Yeah, yeah I understand that. Um, we are going to have a update for that very soon. Um, we understand a lot of people have been asking about multi-logins. Uh, the only reason why we haven't done it um, immediately is because of the security practices that we have to implement on our tool. Uh, we just want to, we have to make sure that um, having multiple logins creates different nodes into the same account. And um, we have to make sure that <clears throat> that when we build that protocol for that feature, it has to be very secure so that um, you know, your account doesn't get compromised. And we're also exploring on building a two-factor authorization. So that way, if someone, you know, steals your account or whatever, they have to have your phone at the same time to verify, uh, say you log in as different IP address or whatnot. Um, so yeah, we, we take security uh, into very high consideration here at FeedbackWiz. And that's one of the reasons why it's not, we didn't just release the multi-login right away. So so it's definitely coming though, and thanks for letting us know that it's another person that wants the uh, you know VAs to come in to to use your account. Yeah, I did. I found a way around it, and it's using um, password storage app that I have a Chrome extension. Uh, mm-hmm. Can't remember the name right now. LastPass. Yeah. Right. So that's that's the way I have around it right now. Yeah, well, we have, um, yeah, we do product updates almost every week. So if you're on our, well, if you're, as a subscriber, you get our product update in monthly email. email. So just watch out for that and you'll see the, all the changes that are coming. So we have a lot awesome. of improvements. Yep. So Henson, for the people that, that want to connect to you, where can they find you? Um, you can find me on Facebook or LinkedIn or, um, yeah, those are the two best places to find me. Just add me. And if you have any questions, you can always, uh, we have, uh, support at feedbackwiz.com. You can send us an email. Uh, we have uh, really good account managers here, support team that, you know, really experienced. They really know our tool and, uh, any questions, not just feedback with, but just general questions about Amazon. If you guys have any issues, uh, yeah, feel free to email us. And if we have any information, we'll pass it along. And, you know, we have a lot of resources and partners that we work with. So we have a lot of connections now in this Amazon community. So we can always um, refer you to someone that knows exactly, you know, how to fix the problem you're having or definitely reach out. Perfect. I'll put it on the show notes, uh, your LinkedIn, and also how to find FeedbackWiz, which is just at FeedbackWiz.com. Hanson, thank you very much for your time. I appreciate it, and I appreciate you. Thank you. Yeah, thank you so much, Quinn, for having me on. Have a great day.